Are you listening? Damn. Hello, I'm Sean Brewster, and thank you for joining us on CEA Audio. This is where you'll catch our Q&A show, past episodes of CEA TV, our YouTube show, keynote speeches, and a host of other things. Thanks for being here, guys, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this episode of CEA TV. I'm here today with Ian Tran, director, owner of Back in Motion Braybrook. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, we've had a quick chat. We've only met not long ago um, through the mutual connection of Caroline, who's my partner and business partner, and now working for you with in this clinic and uh, another program that you run at a sports academy. Um, and through conversations with Caroline, I thought, this is an interesting man. I need to get to know this guy. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and she only tells me so much. She holds sure. back a little bit, but uh, now having a little chat with you, there's a multi-dimensional kind of person here. <laughs> I think it's going to be good to capture some of this on film, audio, live, and so on. Yes. So here we are. We're in your clinic in Braybrook, which is in the, I guess, inner western suburbs of mm -hmm. Melbourne. Yeah. Not far from where I live, in fact. Uh, and I'm in what would look like a typical physiotherapy treatment room, except there's a guitar on the wall. Correct. Some interesting photos. Correct. And we just had a conversation about the fact that you're a part-time filmmaker. Correct. Or amateur part-time filmmaker. Masquerading, yes. Right. Yes. So there's many hats to English. <laughs> uh, so first of all, let's go back to uh, the reason we're here, which is talked about your career in, in health. Yes. How many years has it been? I have been a physio for whew, near 19 years. 19 years, um, okay. Graduate of the University of Melbourne. Yep. Um, yes. Prestigious school? Uh, I think yes, in some <laughs> regards, perhaps, yes. Right. And so you went out of uh, out of university, you graduated, and you went straight into private practice? Were you in a hospital? What sort of work did you do? So, um, when I graduated, uh, I know there's a lot of prestigious jobs in and around Melbourne hospitals, but um, I had a slightly different agenda. I wanted to learn how to surf. So, in fact, my first job was in Portland, which is at the end of the Great Ocean Road. Are you kidding? No. I grew up in Portland. You're kidding me. I lived there until I was 18 years old. You're kidding me. my hometown. That, so, that was my first job. We didn't job. plan this at all. This is not planned. So, you were a, a physiotherapist in Portland? Yes. So, I got a job there um, half-time at the hospital, half-time in private practice, which I thought was a pretty good fit. But like I said, for me, I just wanted to learn how to surf. And so um, Portland, if the viewers don't know, mm. obviously you know, it's a, it's a great location where it doesn't matter the direction of the swell yep. or the wind, generally you're going to find a pretty good, peninsula. Yes, mm -hmm. a pretty good break. The downside was there are a lot of uh, big sharks out there in a sure. sea colony, yep. which people hadn't told me about. Right. But, uh, and it's freezing. And it is pretty chilly. It mm. is pretty chilly. But I still think it has one of the best beaches in the world, Cape Water. water. Oh, there you go. If that was... Two hours closer to Melbourne. And a few degrees warmer. And a few degrees warmer, wow. But yep. um, it's a beautiful, stunning, stunning spot. Can you guys find you to get to meet this guy? <laughs> okay. And in fact, uh, if, we'll talk about it later, but I reckon there's a fairly high chance that I did my year 10 work experience at the same physio clinic really? that you might have worked at because there's only so many physio Chris Conway? It wasn't Chris Conway, I don't David. think. David. Uh, no, it was another smaller one, but sure. there might have been under a different owner at that time. Well, funnily enough, when we moved, when I moved there, mm. uh, my wife now, well at the time, my uh, girlfriend, and also one of my best friends from uni, we all worked, went there together. Right. And so there are only three private practices there. We all worked for each competing <laughs> private practice. So it was. Um, you moved in on the town. It was. It was great, but um, we had. I have such fond memories of that time. We uh, we basically rented a house which was a converted dairy farm out towards Cape Ridge water, mm -hmm. um, looking out over the ocean, some beautiful memories um, awesome. from that time. So um, for all the viewers out there that feel mm -hmm. like they need to go and get a job in a 
you know, a prestigious uh, hospital in Melbourne in their first year out and do their rotations, definitely not the case. No. So, so you went from new graduate, mm -hmm. country town, placement in a hospital, placement in a private practice for the pure purpose of going surfing. <laughs> yes. How long were you there for? So I was there for probably a year, a bit over a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next journey was to go work in Europe, in the UK, as um, a fair few physios seem to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was there with my wife and again, my good friend for a couple of years. And during that time, we, uh, we were very fortunate enough to buy a camper van and travel through Europe. And um, in the midst of that uh, worker season in Colorado in the ski resort. So again, um, you know, Colorado is not in Europe, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. We, okay. uh, there was a a journey across the ocean to, uh, to work in Colorado mm -hmm. for about uh, four or five months of that stint. Right. <laughs> Very good. So you've you've been a, a travelling physiotherapist in the, in the early part, yes. and then you've come to Melbourne, and yes. now you've settled down into a, a franchisee of the Back in Motion mega chain. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the biggest physiotherapy chain in Australia? I would say so, yes. Yeah, um, if not the Southern Hemisphere. Is that right? Um, we have now, uh, don't quote me, I think mm. at the moment, approximately 55 um, standalone clinics, not including our satellite clinics. So we do have quite a um, quite a decent footprint in Australia, and um, we have now uh, got some clinics in New Zealand as well, right. which is um, very exciting for our group. Absolutely. And you were there from the early days. Pretty early, yeah. uh, not quite the uh, very inception. So I joined the group in. 2012. Mm -hmm. um, it'd been there, I think, around for maybe six or seven years prior okay. to that. But um, it had some very humble beginnings with Jason Smith, the founder mm -hmm. of our group, um, seeing clients in his shed or backyard. Um, and by the time I joined, I think there was a relatively sizable uh, footprint by that stage. Um, so okay, yeah. I assumed you were there from the beginning because I don't know if there's one here. <laughs> I'm just going to grab this. Give me one second. I do believe that the book written by Jason Smith, correct, also features your good self on the cover. Who is that guy? I don't Looking know. Looking a little younger, but not a, not a lot younger. I think I've aged well. You've aged well. I think yeah, I've aged well. Got the good genes. <laughs> okay, so you were there from kind of early-ish days. Um, and then did you go straight into franchisee or did, we, did you work no. in a really so for a while? So the story continues, wow, right. we should make a movie about it, we funnily could. enough. Um, so when I was in England, I was doing, I was doing some hockey trials over there and um, tried to do a sort of awkward pass movement and um, I did my ACL and it was very, one of the pros and cons of being a physio is I knew exactly what I had done as soon as I'd done it. So I literally walked off the field didn't speak to any other players, and the coaches jumped in my car. Um, got drove home, yourself. Drove. It wasn't. It wasn't a terrible. It's one of those ones where ten seconds of intense pain. Yep. But I was able to um, walk it on. I just realised when I couldn't change direction that something was not quite right. Yeah. Got home. Uh, booked in the surgeon back in Australia, um, and so we flew home a couple of months after that. And then, um, so I was very lucky, Professor John Bartlett, who is sort of quite a uh, well-regarded knee surgeon, probably one of the found, uh, godfathers of mm. knee surgery, he uh, performed this, the operation on me. And I remember when I was in recovery, John came up and he said, so Ian, you know, how you feeling? I said, good, John. And I said, John, when can I go back to work? And John was like, oh, probably, you know, four to six weeks. And I was like, yep, okay. And then John said, Ian, just wondering, what do you do for a living? And I was like, well, actually, I'm a physiotherapist. And he goes, oh, that's funny. We're looking for one. Yeah. And he's like, would you be interested to work with me? I said, yeah, why not? And he goes, we start in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and 
That's so it. you're back to working two weeks, not four to six? Yeah, John, you just said four to six, not two. So I was, I was back at working with John and um, at the Ringle Private Hospital and a, you know, the physio group at the time. So that was sort of my introduction back into uh, private practice in Melbourne. Okay. I worked there for a while. Um, then I sort of uh, worked for a, another physio group helping set up one of their clinics. And then I realised I needed to, um, yeah, sort of beat my own path. You know, okay. And, um, yeah, headed down that track. And I often ask this same question to a lot of people in your situation where you've worked for other people and then gone into the business thing. Was it always in your mind? Do you think that was in you from the beginning or did that emerge over time? Did you sort of see, at the end of the day, I know I'm going to be in my own business, running my own thing in some way, shape or form? No, no, that, that was never my intent. I really liked working in teams with people. Um, and so that was never what I wanted, but at the same time, I always knew what I didn't want. Okay, so having, and what was that? So particularly working across the NHS, working across a variety of clinics, um, culture was really important to me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in certain environments, it can be really... Um, difficult for people to connect and not be supported and not enjoy the work that they do. So yeah. for me, it was always creating an environment where people sort of looked forward to going to work, that they felt supported, um, that it wasn't a uh, an intimidating space for them to work in. And um, and so that was really what led me to sort of wanting to, to do my own thing and creating an environment like that. And um, it's not easy. Um, it's something that's ongoing and I don't think I've perfected that by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But I think if you aim for that and you keep working towards that, that is something then is something that you can um, yeah, hopefully create yeah. to a degree. What was the biggest surprise then going into create your own environment, your own culture, your own team? You thought, I can do this because we all have big eyes when we start these things, I yes. can do this, no problem. What was the biggest shock to you or the biggest challenge, I guess, going into that role? So running your own business being a... Running your own business and trying to build that culture with, with yeah, the team. Yeah, so... Because it sounds like it's an easy thing to do. No, no. So building a culture, so this is one of the great things that I've learned uh, being part of the Back in Motion Health Group is leadership. Leadership is such a huge component of creating culture. Right. And um, we get, some people have a natural innate uh, leadership ability. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time it is about learning and, and growing and... Um, being a better leader and what that sort of means and so that was a huge surprise to me mm -hmm. about what what that means and in the past I used to think that that was like reading these self-help books and you know um, like a used car salesman sort of thing but that's definitely not what leadership is and mm -hmm. um, that that to me was a really uh, eye-opening experience so in terms of running your own business um, that a, a, a real big eye-opener for me in that space was being the best physio does not mean you're going to be the best, run the best business. And and sometimes I think, if anything, they're somewhat inversely proportional simply for the fact that, that great physios rely back purely on that and don't yep. necessarily address the other side of it, which is the business and yep. how to grow a business and looking at spreadsheets and understanding P&Ls, balance sheets, cash flows, all the stuff that we don't get taught at mm. a university level, which is imperative in running a... Um, yep functional business absolutely and I think if you find someone who's a brilliant technician so they're great on the table yes. in the treatment room yes. with patients and they're also a brilliant marketer and leader and business person that's a unicorn that's wow. a very very rare, wow. rare thing yes yep. very rare very and you'll come across people that have gone from great clinician into those other things 
and it's hard to wear both hats at the same time and do both things exceptionally well. Very true. You almost John. can't. Very true. And I, I totally agree with you more than that. We were just talking prior to this is that um, this year in particular, I have really been um, setting aside time for business uh, business planning and strategic mm. development for my business and yeah. um, for my team. So, yeah. um, yes, it is the case. And I, I often talk to people who are going through that phase of, Okay, I've got a good steady client base or patient base and they're, you know, they're coming through the door, they're backing up, I need to bring in more people. Yes. In fact, I've had this conversation with half a dozen people in the last yes. month, I think. I want to hire new staff, what have I got to do? Where do I need to go? And I'll, my first thing is, okay, you do realise that you have to take a pay cut initially mm -hmm. to invest more time and money into this person so that they can be successful for you and for themselves before you can even look at growing your own pocket. And it's a, it's a step back to step take a step forward. Exactly. Uh, so to think that you can be a busy, successful health practitioner and running a busy, successful business um, is, a, is a real tough thing to do. And it's, it takes years and years and years to get to that point. So you're still seeing clients, you're still seeing a bunch of weeks. Yes, yeah. yes, so I'm probably about um, 0.5 clinical and 0.5 non-clinical these okay. days. Um, but 100% in terms of what you're saying. And I think, again, one of the uh, good lessons I've learned along the way is investing in people yeah. and um, seeing your staff as, I know it sounds a little bit callous, but an asset as opposed to an expense. Like right. these are the people that help build your business, yeah. that help um, build your brand, and so you should invest in them and, and not see it at the end of a month when you're looking through a PL mm. wages as an expense, because really that's not an expense. Yeah. These are the people that are the assets to your business. It's, it's flipping the mindset and saying, I work for them. Yes. They don't work for me. Yes. I have to work for them so that they can do the thing so that we can all benefit from it. Yes. Um, and it's a different way of looking at it for sure. Yeah. I think that's, and again, that's a leadership that's a leadership thing um, of really, yeah, lifting everyone else up and mm. um, good leaders are great at doing that. Absolutely. So that's been a journey of yours, right? An it is. Ongoing journey. It is. It's an ongoing journey and mm. I think it's one that does not have an end, really. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I can always get better in that space. Of course we can. Well, actually, I know I can always get better <laughs> in that space. So. So why a franchise mm -hmm. and not your own practice? Very good question, very good question. So I served on the board for um, the Physiotherapy Business Association as the Victorian Secretary for a few years and at that stage I had been three or four years into running my own business and all the challenges and the joys and the ups and downs that come around with that. But I had a, um, an idea of, sometimes I feel that private practice can be a really, sometimes ad adversarial process like you know us and them and stuff like that and I, I don't believe that that should necessarily be the case mm. like there are so many people out there that if anything that we are now competing on a much broader spectrum in terms of all these parallel allied health streams such as exercise physiologists, osteopaths, chiropractors, and if anything, we should be really supporting one another in the physiotherapy space mm -hmm. um, and sharing knowledge and supporting one another in that in that area. And um, I really hoped that I could get that traction through, um, through the PBA, and unfortunately, I don't, f at that stage, I didn't feel that the industry was ready for that, right. whereas back in motion was that. And so Jason was on the board at the same time, mm -hmm. got to know him a little bit better, our values aligned, our visions aligned in that space, and so therefore I joined. Okay. Yeah. Just made sense to you. It, it made sense. It made sense to me. And um, look, to be honest, if I hadn't have joined back in motion at that stage, I I question whether or not I would still be a 
physiotherapy business owner at this stage. Maybe a surfing instructor. Uh, maybe a surfing, or a filmmaker. Or a filmmaker. Or, um, was there any of that? Guitar. Guitar. I see guitar. A rock star. Over there. A, rock star. a rock star, surfing, uh, ex-physio, filmmaker. Yeah. It's, I can see the stereotypical And here I, I, I chose physiotherapy instead. <laughs> that says a lot, doesn't it? it? Does. The industry, right? Stick with it, people. Stick with it. <laughs> okay, so I have a, a colleague in the, in the myotherapy industry. Yes. Who has this idea that franchises are in the perfect position for in the future what's going to happen. Well, his kind of big picture theory is that health funds are eventually going to want to recoup their money and they're going to want to buy up all the big chains of osteophysio, chiro, whatever, and so that they can then pay out the benefits to their members but also recoup that money at the other end and cycle it back to the machine. Do you see that as a thing that could potentially happen in yes. the world? Your friend is very smart. Okay. Um, he has looked into that crystal ball and that is a very real future. And, and that is, I know, quite confronting mm -hmm. for, say, the, the sole business owner, yep. um, the, the standalone clinics that are out there, but I, I, don't, I don't know how to speak to that except in the sense that I think if we run good businesses, regardless whether you're in a franchise or you're not in mm -hmm. a franchise, that health funds, be it if we go down the American health system pathway, they will still want to be involved with what you do. Mm -hmm. um, I I know that yes, there are conversations that are happening in that space, and um, it'll be interesting to see where the future will lead. But that is a definite possibility. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think that would be a positive thing or a negative thing? Very good question too. Um, I think it's really challenging to know the answer to that obviously if again just based on the american health system i don't think that is very healthy mm. um excuse the pun uh for their clients and their patients like it's a much more fiscal model yep. than client-centered health model and so we can see that we have the power of hindsight in australia to do that and and um i just think the political environment, how it is, we're not going to quite get to that level, mm. but it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But saying that too, there's a lot more data analytics out there now and information the health funds are wanting, going to want to get through. But we are in a universal healthcare model where um, with Medicare and these provisions, I don't imagine we'll all ever go quite to the extreme um, that America has, but there will be changes. There yeah, will be changes. absolutely. Things are, are bound to evolve regardless yeah. whether we want them to or not. So question now from the perspective of someone who's training and mentoring and leading a team of, of therapists. Looking at the new graduates that come out, now you obviously see a lot of physiotherapy graduates, but you're, I'm sure you're aware of and have a sense of other types of practitioners and yes. the way they're coming out of school compared to the 19 years or so that you came out ago. Yes. What do you think are some of the biggest gaps in either knowledge, skill, interpersonal, mm. relationship building skills, anything at all? What's the the biggest gap that you find that you have to try to fill when a new graduate comes in to work with you? Look, This I, is really speaking to the new yeah, graduates out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Here's sure. the thing that you've got to work on. It is the soft skills that you speak of, Sean. Um, building rapport, um, empathy, uh, emotional intelligence. These are th things that are difficult to teach, them. teach exactly. So mm. that's why it's really hard. But saying that, I think if it's speaking to the new grads, of course, mm. get out there, meet people, volunteer, uh, put yourself in situations where you can connect with others. And it doesn't have to be as a physio or whatever. It does or not whatever. have to be as a physio. Um, travel, see the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think those things, me personally, 
I hire more on, on those skills, that skill set because... I think you and almost everybody now. Yes, it makes my rationale for that Because is, you can teach the hard skills. Exactly, mm. exactly. Whereas it's harder to teach someone how to have a conversation or have empathy. Um, so, not to say that that is a lacking thing, but I think if there was possibly more time put towards that for the new grads, mm -hmm. I think that would be great. I think financial literacy would be yep. great too, because um, again, for the new grads, I know some new grads find it really confronting having to talk about money or having to talk about key performance indicators and things like that. But it is the reason why we have those conversations is so that one, you, we can be paid and we can run a business and, mm -hmm. and service the community and provide our services to that community. But again, my um, ethos on that is it's not making money that is the bad thing. It's what you decide to do with that money right. determines whether it's a good or a bad thing. Sure. So having that financial literacy, being able to know a budget, how much you want to get paid or things like that, I think that's a super important skill and unfortunately as health practitioners, mm -hmm. we um, we don't want to go there because we feel that that's a, an evil or a, a bad Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Any other business, almost any other business outside of health, you mm -hmm. talk to people and they're more than happy to look at their profit and loss and okay, we need to get more out of this customer yeah. lifetime value or the customer acquisition costs of this person on that one. And, and as health practitioners, we think it's all about, we're here to help the person in our room and everything else can be damned. Yeah. We've just got to focus on the patient, yeah. which is good to a point, but we also need to keep the, the doors open. The yeah. business has to operate, otherwise we help zero people. That is exactly right. That yeah. is exactly right. So the things that, say, keep me awake at night is that I want to make sure I can have a clinic that can make that positive impact in our community, make that positive impact to my staff, the people that we... Um, that we are connected with, mm -hmm. and to do that, I have to pay everyone's wages. Yeah. And so, making those things and making sure they all happen, and that happens by obviously having an income stream. And mm -hmm. so, um, it is a balance. It's definitely you know the pendulum can swing either way sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think finding that balance is important, and understanding that that balance must exist. And yeah. and I know that yeah, it's quite challenging me, particularly for for the new grads that come mm -hmm. out that, to have that conversation. So it is a it is something that would be great that if coming into the, the clinic, they had a little bit more um, openness for those conversations, sure. that would be great. And I think we also forget that if we provide a good service in any industry, uh, our customers, we call them that, are more than happy to pay well for that. This is true. You go to a mechanic and you expect to go in, they do their job, you give them the money and you walk out, but you have an exceptionally good experience with that mechanic, their, their customer service level is above board, everything's just you know 110%. You go away raving about it and you can't give them the money fast enough. Like you're really, really happy because you're going to pay them anyway. So why not be happy about it? And then as health practitioners, we kind of go, let's not talk about the money. Let's not make it a big deal about that. If the person can't afford it, well, we'll just discount it for them. But if we do an exceptional job, the money's not even on the conversation. Yes. It just happens. The value proposition. Mm. Um, so 100%. Right. Agree. So let's now take that question and flip it to the entrepreneur, business owner, the person who's running the, running the show, not the new graduate. What are the skills, or are they the same but potentially, what are the skills that the, the new business owner, mm -hmm. or maybe the flailing business owner, mm -hmm. needs to develop in your eyes? I think uh, planning, it's really important to make time to plan. Yep. and work uh, on the business, not just in the business. Not just in the business. Um, if I was talking to, say, myself 10 years ago, I would probably um, learn a lot more about Excel <laughs> and uh, how functional that program is, how amazing that program is, um, understanding how to read reports, mm -hmm. uh, 
Wow, um, what else would I say? Marketing. Um, I think there are some great support mechanisms out there and support groups out there now for businesses, getting a great business mentor mm -hmm. and having someone to talk to. Again, I'm in a very fortunate position in the Back in Motion Health Group. I have 60 to 70 other directors that are all invested in me to want to see me succeed. So I can ask them, hey guys, is this a great idea or not? So mm -hmm. having that network there is, um, well, it is priceless in some regards. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting, you know, a bit of a network together if you can, and because it's really tough doing it on your own. And sure. I think, um, again, speaking to those businesses, it can be quite lonely. Um, oh, yeah. And that was another reason why I joined the, um, the PBA and the Back in Motion Health Group is that I think there are a lot of standalone business owners out yeah. there that are doing it pretty tough on their own, trying to be the HR, trying to be payroll, trying to be marketing, trying to be the physio, um, doing all that, managing a team, yeah. uh, maybe having a family as well, maybe external, you know, extracurricular activities, yeah. and it's really challenging. So and, you, that's being part of that group gave you an opportunity to have a sounding board. Yes, and a, and a support network. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, hey, the challenges that I'm facing Anthony's faced and yep. and knowing that we're, we're, going, we're going through it together yep. in a sense. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Learn from each other's experiences. Yeah. Okay, now your business also has another unique kind of arm to it, right? Mm -hmm. It has the Melbourne Sports Academy, mm -hmm. which uh, from my understanding, you guys won the, the tender for or the opportunity to service yes. a while ago. Yes. Those who don't know Melbourne Sports Academy, it's a Maribyrnong, is it Maribyrnong or Melbourne? No, Maribyrnong. Maribyrnong Sports Academy, sorry. Um, it's a high school that's really geared towards developing young athletes. So they go through their normal schooling, yeah. but a big chunk of their day is spent focused on doing their sport, training their sport, developing them as athletes as well as academically. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, so yes we are, we do um, provide the service, we're the preferred providers of physiotherapy for that school. Okay. Um, but yes, so year 7 to year 12, I believe over a thousand athletes there now, um, so it's I believe the only selective sports school in a public setting right. um, for Victoria. I know that there are other schools that have specialised sport that work focused across a very wide breadth. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a privilege to serve at that school and work with those athletes and, uh, and their families. Now I've seen a lot of relationships like this between clinics and clubs, sporting teams, programs and so on. And it's usually we are the we're the preferred provider and you might sponsor some of their competitions and then the athletes come to the clinic. Yes. And they pay for their treatments and you know yes. they get a discount or whatever. But you've got you've gone the other extreme of that which is you've got staff inside the academy working on site with the students. Yes. Yep. So again a lot of this is about um, building that relationship and rapport and, and trust. And so we are there on a very regular basis. We're communicating with the SN, the SNC rehab teams, mm -hmm. um, the coaches and, you know, yeah, it, it's, I think it's, it, as with all relationships, takes time to build. And um, and so it is it is actually a real, um, real enjoyment to actually do go down there and as you were saying before Kaz is uh, now working down in that mm -hmm. capacity so for our injury clinic and um, I love it I love it it's a really high paced uh, challenging environment to work yep. in but um, definitely keeps you on your toes and makes you want to just be a better clinician so, yeah and what, when you first saw that as an opportunity for you and for the business what did you think would be the outcome of that what did you project forward and go I want to do this because of mm. did you see it purely as a financial thing was it a community building thing was it where did it come from oh wow um, in terms of the main reason wanting to do it mm. 
I want to support a great initiative in the West. I think... Uh, now, you're a Westies too, am, right? I am. I've grown up in, in the Western Melbourne. I, I have defected somewhat to the North uh, recently because of uh, my wife's family, but um, yeah. I still, my heart is still in the West. Okay. Uh, for me, it is really, again, giving back to the community. And um, I think the Marabong Sports Academy, basically its history is 10 years ago. The school mm -hmm. was going to shut its doors. Think they had a few portable classrooms in there, and, and now it's state of the art. It so is it's state of the art. I think it's won multiple awards, um, government awards for improving their their ATAR scores and level of education there. But um, the the sports school itself, it's a real sense of pride for the community, particularly as we um, develop some amazing athletes and individuals. Mm -hmm. um, I just think they're champs, um, not just on the sporting field, but. Um, in life that's mm. come through the school and it's a real sense of pride. I imagine you would see a lot of very confident young people <laughs> for their age. Yes. You see people that are involved in sport, particularly high level sport, where there's pressure on them and there's an amazing timetable that they have to keep up to, like hours are crazy. Yeah. Then they're juggling that with their schoolwork. Typically those kids come out very confident. Yeah, I, I think um, I was shocked actually. I think, yeah. I think of it more as a a mature a sense of maturity. Yeah. Um, I wish I had had my head screwed on that well at that age. Mm. Um, these they're fantastic kids, yeah. and um, yes, be it be it that involvement in high level sport or having coaches or mentors to, to help mm. them guide them through that process. But yes, they're they're top kids. Awesome. Mm. Now I had a feeling this conversation is going to be interesting. You're going to be kind of unique, <laughs> and I was right. Please don't ask me to play the guitar. Stop. <laughs> Thank you for your time, man. Thank you, I sure. appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you got something from it. We'll see you next time. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for giving us your time. We really hope you enjoyed that. Please give us a rating. If you like what you heard, let us know. If you didn't like what you heard, let us know as well. Your feedback is important. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next one.